today on After God's Heart. Nehemiah stood up before the leaders. We're going to protect the vulnerable places. We're going to have wise plans. But the most important thing I want you to remember is we have a God who is great and awesome. And he begins to speak a word of encouragement. I know the enemy says you can't. God says you can. I know the enemy is strong. God's stronger. And Nehemiah begins to remind them, yes, we have a big enemy. Yes, there's a lot of them, but God is bigger than our enemy. And he begins to speak a word of encouragement. They threaten from every direction. God's faithful every time. Welcome to After God's Heart with Dr. Darren Biles, author, professor, and pastor of Sunnyvale First Baptist Church. We live in a world that doesn't always agree with our Christian values. It takes courage to live a faithful Christian life. Today, Dr. Biles continues his series in the book of Nehemiah called Rise Up. In this message called Rise Up in Courage, Dr. Biles looks at Nehemiah chapter 4. As Nehemiah served where God led him, he encountered opposition that he faced with courage. From his faithful example, we learn lessons we can apply to our lives today. Dr. Biles? Well, they say death and taxes are the only sure things in life. But perhaps another one relates to our Christian faith. Just as soon as believers begin living their faith, they will face opposition. We're reminded from Nehemiah, God is bigger than any task or opposition that we face. Discouragement's nearsighted. Faith reminds us God can and he will. At the end of this chapter, we will see how Nehemiah's enemies were impacted by the faith and faithfulness of God's people. I hope the world around us can see us living our faith. Take your Bibles and turn to Nehemiah chapter 4, and let's talk about rising up in courage. In 1829, Sir Robert Peel formed the London Metropolitan Police Force and became known as the father of modern policing. The principles that he established in that London Metropolitan Police Force are still largely in effect today. The idea of protect and serve came from him, and all of those original principles are still current for us, reminding us of the courage, of the responsibility of those who serve. I was reminded as I was reading the testimony about his life how some of those same principles are necessary in living our Christian life. That same courage that causes a, a law enforcement officer to run to danger, to stand in the face of potential crisis, is the same courage that is required of every faithful believer in Jesus Christ. If you are going to live your faith, if you are going to rise up, it's going to take courage. So this morning as we continue our series through the book of Nehemiah, I want to talk about rising up in courage. Take your Bible and turn to Nehemiah chapter 4 as we continue our series through the study of the life and ministry of Nehemiah. Now, beginning in chapter 4, and for the next several chapters, we're going to see how Nehemiah was facing challenges. I want you to listen as we read through this chapter about the various obstacles that Nehemiah faced and how he and the people overcame them. Nehemiah 4, beginning in verse 1, when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became furious. He mocked the Jews before his colleagues and the powerful men of Samaria and said, what are these pathetic Jews doing? Can they restore it by themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they ever finish it? Can they 
bring burnt stones back to life from the mounds of rubble. And then Tobiah the Ammonite, who was beside him, said, even if a fox climbed up on the building, he'd break down their stone wall. Listen, our God, we are despised. Make their insults return on their own heads and let them be taken as plunder to a land of captivity. Do not cover their guilt or let their sin be erased from your sight because they have angered the builders. So we rebuilt the wall until the entire wall was joined together up to half its height for the people had the will to keep working. Now, when Senballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, and the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites heard that the repair of the walls to Jerusalem was progressing and that the gaps were being closed, they became furious. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw it into confusion. So we prayed to our God and stationed a guard because of them day and night. In Judah, it was said, the strength of the laborers fails since there's so much rubbish. We'll never be able to rebuild the wall. Our enemies said they won't realize it until we're among them and can kill them and stop the work. When the Jews living nearby arrived, they said time and again, everywhere you turn, they will attack us. So I stationed people behind the lowest sections of the wall at the vulnerable areas. I stationed them by families with swords and spears and bows. And after I made an inspection, I stood up, said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the great and awe-inspiring Lord and fight for your countrymen, your sons and daughters, your wives and your homes. When our enemies heard that we knew their scheme and that God had frustrated it. Every one of us returned to his own work on the wall. From that day on, half of the men did the work while the other half held spears and shields and bows and armor. The officers supported all the people of Judah who were rebuilding the wall. The laborers who carried the loads worked with one hand and held a weapon with the other. Each of the builders had his sword strapped around his waist while he was building and the trumpeter stood beside me. And then I said to the nobles, the officials, and to the rest of the people. The work is enormous and spread out, and we're separated far from one another along the wall. Whenever you hear the trumpet sound, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. So we continued the work while half the men were holding spears and from daybreak until the stars came out. And at that time, I also said to the people, let everyone and his servants spend the night inside Jerusalem so that they can stand guard by night and work by day. And I and my brothers, my servants and the men of the guard with me never took off our clothes. Each carried his weapon even when washing. Opposition, challenge. We find it here with the children of Israel, but in all honesty, you find it in your life. Challenges come on what seems to be a regular basis, opposition from all different kinds of places. What we're going to see in this chapter and in the next two beyond, some of the opposition that the children of Israel faced came from external sources. Some of it came from internal sources. And what we're seeing is that professing faith in Jesus Christ does not immunize us from opposition. We're still going to face challenges. We're still going to face obstacles. And in the midst of those challenges, we hear the challenge of Nehemiah to his people that rings through the centuries to us to rise up in courage, to face the opposition and the challenges with faith. And so I want to see how Nehemiah and the children of Israel faced their obstacles and how you and I can learn to rise up 
with courage. Number one, the first obstacle that Nehemiah faced in the first few verses was criticism. Did you see that? Criticism. It came soon and it came often. And we learned the lesson from Nehemiah about the challenge of criticism. His response was to answer criticism with prayer. You notice very early in chapter 4 that as soon as they began to work, now you would think that all the people in the surrounding region would be proud of these Jews who returned to Jerusalem, that they would be encouraged that they're reestablishing the city, that they might come along and offer to help them. But no, instead, all you see from them is criticism. They don't want the city to be rebuilt. They like it unfinished. And we're reminded in our own lives that the minute that you and I begin to do a work that God has led us to do, criticism usually comes. How do you face criticism? Now, to be sure, some criticism is valid, and there are things that we learn from criticism. This is not that. You find what is totally unfounded criticism from first Sanballat, whose name we've seen already, and then his friends, and then Tobiah, and then there's a whole group in verse 7 that just seems to join along, and we discover what is the obviousness of the obvious. Critics love to run with critics. You see, you see Sanballat, first of all, and he heard that we were rebuilding the walls, and he's ang he gets angry a lot. He's angry here, and he gets angry again at verse 7, and he began to mock the Jews, but notice what he's doing. He's mocking them publicly, verse 2. He mocked them before his colleagues and the powerful men of Samaria. So you've got Sanballat, and he's just criticizing. He's mocking the Jews, and he's mocking them publicly before the powerful people of Samaria to the north, of Jerusalem. And then Sanballat is quickly joined by Tobiah in verse 3. Sanballat has mocked them and he's offered some taunting questions intended to demoralize them. They're pathetic Jews. They can't re restore it themselves. They're never going to offer sacrifices. They won't even finish. They can't bring back these burnt stones from this rubble. And then Tobiah joins in, and you see his sarcasm ringing out. Even if a small fox jumps on their wall, he'll knock it down. Criticism. Verse 7, we see more critics joining as Sanballat and Tobiah are joined by the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites, and wave after wave of criticism begins to invade them. So rather than confronting them, Nehemiah turns to the Lord and essentially says, by faith, God, we trust you. Whatever happens, happens to our critics, we look to you, we, we turn to you, we ask for your intervention. So Nehemiah begins to pray in the face of his criticism, and even as he is praying, notice he trusted God and kept on working. He didn't let the critics stop him from working. He didn't let them interrupt the work, because that's really what they wanted. That was the point of their criticism, to stop what they were doing. So we're not going to stop what we're doing just because you don't like it. We're going to trust that to the Lord and keep on working. So the Bible says in verse 6, notice this testimony. So we rebuilt the wall until the entire wall was joined up to half its height because the people had the will to keep working. We kept working, Nehemiah said, and we, we started making progress. Now we've got the wall halfway done. And the reason we made so much progress, Nehemiah says, is because the people had a will. Literally, they had the heart 
for the work. The people had a desire to see God's work accomplished, and something begins to happen inside of us when we as God's people have a will to see God's will accomplished. Answer criticism with prayer. Note the second obstacle that you see in those first few verses. It is the obviousness of the challenge in front of them. It is implied in the criticism of Sanballat, and I want to learn the lesson that we answer God-sized challenges with a God-sized commitment. Notice what the critics are saying. They begin to answer Nehemiah with some very pointed criticism. They called them names. They're, they're pathetic Jews. Are they going to finish it? No, they really can't. That's the implied answer. They're never going to do it. There is so much rubble. You know what they're saying? You're not good enough. You're not strong enough. There's not enough of you. There's not enough time. You can't do this. The task is too big. Now, there is a measure of truth to this challenge. They're right about me, and they're right about the wall. I'm not big enough to finish, and the wall's a very big challenge. But see, that's only half the story. It is true that the wall was a big challenge. It is true that on their own, they were insufficient to accomplish the work that God had entrusted to them. But they forgot one very important detail. They were right about me, and they were right about the wall, but they were wrong about God. I'm not able to finish this wall. We're not able to finish this wall. But with God's help, we'll accomplish everything God has for us. Remember what Paul said? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The task is big, but God's bigger. I remember a saying, maybe you've heard it. I heard it for the first time when I was in college. It's a little saying, 10 words, all the words are two-letter words. And this was a saying that you would sometimes hear in leadership courses, sort of a motivational challenge. And here was the saying, if it is to be, it is up to me. And I remember hearing that, and there's a certain motivation to that, just to inspire you to stand up to whatever challenge you face. But here's what I thought then as I think now. If our only hope is what I am able to accomplish, we're not going to finish this task. If it's up to me to accomplish God's purpose in my life, our church, it won't be done. But God is bigger. Aren't you glad God's bigger than your wall? Aren't you glad God's bigger than your challenge, your opposition, your burden, your financial crisis, whatever the doctor has said to you? Aren't you glad that God is bigger than the wall that confronts you? It's one of our biggest events of the year, and you are invited. Our annual Family Fun and Fireworks event will be Sunday, July 2nd. This free event kicks off at 6.30 p.m. with games, food trucks, music, and more. The night concludes with one of the biggest and best fireworks shows in East Dallas County at approximately 9.30 p.m. You can watch them from your car or the lawn. Don't miss this great community event that is family-friendly and fun for everyone. We'll see you on July 2nd at Sunnyvale First Baptist Church. And now let's get back to the message. Nehemiah models for us how we face a God-sized challenge. We face it with a God-focused commitment. God is bigger. It is the courage to trust a big God with a big wall. It's the courage to stand in the face of what I cannot accomplish on my own and trust that he can. And so the Bible says we rebuilt the wall because the people had a mind to work. Do you have the courage to commit your challenge to God? Nehemiah reminds us that we answer a God-sized task with a God-sized commitment. There's a third challenge that you see that comes up very quickly, beginning in verse 7, and that is the challenge of opposition. Now, prior to this, the opposition was just about words, mocking, sarcasm, 
But very quickly, when the, when the enemy began to notice that something good is being done, they began to see progress to the walls, even as they had said, you can't do it. But now they began to do it. Now the attack comes from the inside, Judah. That's the southern kingdom. That's the people of God. That's those living in Jerusalem. Now they've been listening to the criticism. You know how I know they've been listening? Because they're using the same words as their critics. Look what they said in verse 10. In Judah, it was said... The strength of the laborers is failing because there is so much rubble. Now, where did they get that? Well, it's obvious there is a lot of rubble. Nehemiah said that in chapter 2. There's a lot of rubble. But they haven't been talking about it until they listened to the enemy who said it. Because you see back up in verse 2, can they bring these burnt stones back to life from the mounds of rubble? And all of a sudden, we've been listening to the voice of the critic. We've been listening to the voice of the enemy. And now we're beginning to echo. Now that criticism has begun to sink in. And now Judah has begun to despair. They are discouraged. And discouragement can become such a challenge because it's so difficult to define. It's so difficult to even recognize. It's easy to recognize external opposition. We, we see it, we feel it, we hear it. But all of a sudden now, the internal thoughts begin to become said out loud. Because notice in Judah, it was said. Well, it was thought before that, but now they're saying it. And now they're saying out loud, Look, the, the strength of the workers is failing. We're tired. We thought we'd be done by now. We didn't know it was going to be this hard. We didn't know the challenges were going to be this difficult. The strength of the workers is failing, and there's so much rubble around us. Nehemiah models for us the courage to answer discouragement with encouragement. As they began to listen to the criticism of the enemy, they began to think the same thoughts that the enemy was thinking. They began to say the same things that the enemy was saying. There's so much rubbish. There's so much to do. The task is so big. Maybe they're saying we can't. Look at the last part of verse 10. We'll never be able to rebuild this wall. The irony of that is God's already using them to do it. They're already half done. But somewhere along the way, they've begun to buy into the criticism of the enemy. And now they're believing his lie. They're right. We can't do it. And they're so busy stumbling over the problem, they can't see that God's already begun the solution. God's already doing a work in their midst. God's already working in them. They're so busy agreeing with the enemy, they can't see what God is already doing. Enemy's right. We can't. Discouragement is nearsighted. When I begin to allow the plague of discouragement in my mind, and it now transfers from my mind to my mouth, and I begin to talk in a discouraging tone, I begin to echo the same discouragement of the enemy. The enemy said, you can't do it, and Judah said, we can't do it. But Nehemiah took courage. And even as Judah began to feel the defeat and they begin to even quote the enemy for them. Notice verse 11. If you look real carefully at verse 11, this is not the enemy speaking. This is Judah citing the enemy. They are, in fact, now speaking for the enemy. So verse 11, don't read this as the enemy saying this. This is Judah speaking the words of the enemy. Our enemies said they won't realize it until we're among them and can kill them and stop the work. It's hypothetical, but our enemies said it. And now we've begun to believe it. We've begun to believe the lie of the enemy. We've begun to be discouraged in the 
magnitude of the task. And now, verse 12, the Jews who lived nearby, they began to echo that. They agree. So now all the Jews from the surrounding areas around Jerusalem, they're coming in, and here's what they're saying. Everywhere you turn, they're going to attack us. They're coming. They're not here yet, but we're pretty sure they're coming. And discouragement has set in. You ever get discouraged in your work? Task is big. Problems are mounting. Difficulties come. And it's so easy to be discouraged, to listen to the negative voices and to begin to believe it. Maybe I can't. But Nehemiah has the courage to face discouragement with encouragement. Look what Nehemiah said now, verse 13. Right after they've said they're going to attack us everywhere we turn, Nehemiah, so I stationed people behind the lowest sections of the wall at the vulnerable areas. I stationed them by families, that's a pretty good advice, with their swords and their spears and their bows. Now verse 14, after I made an inspection, I stood up in front of the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people and said, don't be afraid. Remember that our Lord is great and awesome. Nehemiah stood up before the leaders. We're going to protect the vulnerable places. We're going to have wise plans. But the most important thing I want you to remember is we have a God who is great and awesome. And he begins to speak a word of encouragement. I know the enemy says you can't. God says you can. I know the enemy is strong. God's stronger. And Nehemiah begins to remind them, yes, we have a big enemy. Yes, there's a lot of them, but God is bigger than our enemy. And he begins to speak a word of encouragement. They threaten from every direction. God's faithful every time. And he faces their discouragement with a word of encouragement. Don't be discouraged. Our God is great and awesome. He can clear the rubbish from your life. He can remove the obstacles that you face. So take courage as Nehemiah reminded the people, we serve a great God. There's one more challenge that Nehemiah and the children of Israel face. And you see it beginning in verse 14 down to the end of the chapter. Nehemiah references it there in verse 14 when he said to them, don't be afraid. He's highlighting what is the fifth of five challenges that they faced. It is the challenge of fear. They're afraid. The enemy outnumbers them. The job's not finished. The laborers seem to fail. We're tired from the long journey. And the critics' voices seem to get louder and louder. And they begin to get afraid. And Nehemiah says, I looked and I noticed they're afraid. That's what he said, first part of verse 14. I made an inspection. I, I looked. And Nehemiah said, don't believe them. When fear weakens, faith strengthens. When fear begins to disrupt, faith begins to stand strong. When fear says you can't, faith says God can. It's standing in the face of trial. It's staying when others leave. It's hearing the diagnosis you don't want to hear and trusting God anyway. Maybe you're facing some walls in your life. You're facing a wall of despair. You're facing a wall of financial crisis. You're facing a wall of change. You're facing a wall of fear. You're facing a wall of some kind of medical diagnosis. Whatever obstacle you are facing, whatever challenge you are confronting, take heart. There is no wall too high. There is no enemy too great. There is no fear so powerful. God cannot see you through. Maybe God is asking you to have courage and rise up. It's going to take courage to be a Christ follower. It's going to take courage to stand on your faith in Jesus Christ when people around you don't. It's going to take courage to talk about your faith when people around you won't. 
It's going to take courage to profess your faith and then live what you profess. It's going to take courage to do the work God wants us to do in this church because it's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to get fearful. It's easy to see the obstacles. But men and women of faith see beyond the challenges to the God who can cause us to complete them. Five times in Jesus's ministry, Jesus came to his people at pivotal times and said, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. My favorite is in Mark chapter 6, when, when the disciples were out in the Sea of Galilee and, and the, the waves were overcoming their little boat. They were rowing as hard as they could. And the Bible says in the middle of the night, Jesus came walking on the water. They thought it was a ghost. Jesus came and calmed the storm and said, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid reminding the disciples of the lesson that you and I need to learn when Jesus is in the boat. I can take courage and never be afraid because he's bigger than any obstacle that I face. So rise up in courage. To be a Christ follower takes courage. We need courage to live our faith when others don't and to share our faith when others won't. You and I can have courage because he still fights for his people. We've entitled this program, After God's Heart. The name of the program comes from the title of my newest book, After God's Heart. It's a story of the life of David, the challenges, the lessons that we learn from David, and how we can apply those to our lives. We'd love to send you a copy of my book when you support this ministry with your generous gift. Now here's Ed to give you more details on how you can get a copy of my book. Thanks, Dr. Biles. You can get a copy of After God's Heart today. Today by contacting Sunnyvale First Baptist Church at 972-226-7105 or SunnyvaleFBC.com. You can also write us at 3018 North Beltline Road, Sunnyvale, Texas 75182. Attention after God's heart. And here's a final word from Pastor Darren. Thanks, Ed. If you're ever in the North Texas area, I want to invite you to be our guest at Sunnyvale First Baptist Church. We have Sunday school classes for all ages. Our worship service on Sunday mornings begins at 1030. We would love for you and your family to be our guest anytime you are able at Sunnyvale First Baptist Church. Once again, on behalf of Dr. Biles, we want to thank you for listening. I'm your host, Ed Petty, and we'll see you next time on After God's Heart.